Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. My name is Alex Barrett, and I am the, the lead pastor. I hope uh, this next hour of your life will be a blessing to you, uh, that you'll really sense God speaking to you and calling you forward. Uh, we are on the last week of a message series that we started on Easter called This Changes Everything. And the this is referring to the life, to the ministry, to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we start on Easter talking about the fact that Jesus paid the price for our sin. He conquered death. He took the penalty that was ours and he took it upon himself. And he took that penalty and he died on our behalf so that we may experience grace and forgiveness of our sin. And he also rose again to new life, and that represents really the new life that we can have as we decide to follow him. So over the course of this series, we've been looking at how does this new life like enter in and really manifest in the different uh, parts of life that we find ourselves. We've been talking a lot about uh, perspective and, and our attitudes, and then how does that uh, impact our actions. And so today we're talking about how this changes the resurrection of Christ, how it changes the very way that we approach church. And uh, weeks ago when I was planning this message, I had no idea of this topic, how relevant it would be for where we find ourselves here at Ridgeview Church. And so this very phrase, this changes church, I actually want to specifically announce a fun change that we have as a church. This is really an answer to prayer that we have been praying for over three years. And what it is, is we have been given an opportunity to meet at a new location in the heart of the growth of North Fontana. Uh, we have been given uh, the opportunity to meet at Jesse Turner Community Center, and we will be moving to worship indoors there beginning the first week of June, Sunday, June 6th. December of 2017, I put in an application for that location. I consider it the best location in Fontana. It's in the heart of North Fontana. It's in the heart of new growth. And we've been praying. We've been on a wait list and we've been praying and uh, asking the city for updates. And just about a month and a half ago, we received word that the center was going to be opening, uh, reopening after the COVID lockdowns, and that we actually had the opportunity to go in and lease that space. And so I just want to let you know uh, just how good God is. He's answered our prayers. I want to let you know of this new chapter that we find ourselves in. We're going to be in a new location indoors, what I consider to be the most strategic location for us in this season of church life. And so as I talk about change today, I want to let you know first and foremost about this opportunity. Uh, I really want to ask you uh, to pray as we make plans and as we communicate and we make that shift uh, from where we've been at Olive Grove Park to the Jesse Turner Community Center. Uh, God has been so good to us uh, the last few weeks and actually throughout the whole time we've been launched. He's, he's taken care of us every step of the way and that, that's really what God does. But if you could pray that we'll continue to trust Him as we face uh, new situations and circumstances that we'll know how to make the most of this opportunity. And I also want to invite you to join in with us as we make this shift. This is the new chapter in our adventure as a church. And now is the greatest time for you to plug in, for you to pull in and get involved. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what that looks like as we dig into the scriptures today. 
But here's a, a picture of the, the Jesse Turner Community Center. And there's also a, a uh, resource that you can find on today's handout. And so if you click on the, the watch page, you'll see uh, the sermon notes. And if you click on that, we have put together a packet which gives you all the information of the strategic vision of this move. Uh, also, short-term restrictions that we're going to have to uh, deal with as we move into a city building. And then we also have just a page of frequently asked questions, and we hope that that will be helpful to you. So uh, check that out on uh, the, the Sermon Notes page. And also, this is available on our website at ridgeviewchurch.com move, and you'll see that website there with a picture of uh, the community center. And so please check that out. And then as you have questions or as you try to figure out what this means for you, please uh, let us know how we can, we can help you. And so reach out uh, on your, your connection card. Uh, finally, uh, part of this, this move, and I'm going to talk about this at the end of the message, but I also want to talk about it now, is, is I want to challenge you to really get involved uh, I want to challenge you to, to be a part of this. And uh, there, there's always opportunities where things happen and we can kind of watch and we can be maybe on the outside looking in. I want to encourage you to come actually on the inside and be a part of this effort that God has calling us to. I just want to briefly talk about the last question uh, on the, the packet and on, on the website. But I think it's probably one of the most important questions. And that is, what does this move mean for you? How can you get involved and how could God use this opportunity to really grow you? One of our values at Ridgeview is to buy up the opportunities that God puts before us. And so we've come up with an acrostic and it's grip. How can we get a grip on this opportunity? And I just want to briefly give you the four ways you can do this. And I encourage you to take one or all four of, of these steps wherever you kind of sense you need to do. And so the first is to give. You can give of your time to help volunteer. If, if you've never volunteered at Ridgeview or you, you haven't in a while, uh, join the team. We, we're going to need more people serving and, and greeting, and we need more people to help in operations. And so please volunteer with us. Another way you can give is to give financially to Ridgeview. If you don't give regularly, I encourage you. Make that decision to, to begin to give, whether it's every week or Every month, wherever you find yourself, start a percentage of, of your income and, and give to that. If, if you're a follower of Christ, God really wants you to move to that 10%. And so if, if you're not doing that, give to Ridgeview so we can have the finances and we know God's provision will come through, but to buy new equipment and resources uh, that we need. Uh, the R of GRIP is, is to rally. And that's what today's message is gonna be about. How do we team together? And so I encourage you, whether you're watching online just this week or you've been watching online, uh, it's easy to be anonymous. It's easy to kind of pull back. And when change happens, there's usually two things that open up. There's on-ramps and there's off-ramps. When this change happens, as we make this move, I encourage you, take the on-ramp towards Ridgeview Church. Rally around us. Encourage others to be a part of what God's doing. The I in the grip, the next letter, is to invite and rallying and invite really are connected. It's the sense of like, how do we let people know what God is doing in our church? What are the different ways that we can think through inviting our neighbors and inviting uh, our friends and inviting our, our family? When new things happen and new chapters emerge, that's the time to invite people. People are waiting for the invitation. And you may be the one invitation that they've been waiting for. 
And so I encourage you, invite. So give, rally, invite. And then the final of the grip is to pray. Now, even though that's the final, that is really the most important. We can't do any of this. And none of this is possible without the hand of God. And we need his help. We need to be able to see clearly. We need to be able to make the most, like I'm talking about, of the opportunities. And we really need his help. And so if you can, as you think about it, please pray. If you have questions, reach out to us. We want to answer those. And you can let us know on your connection card. And so I just want to start by giving that announcement. If this is your first time tuning into Ridgeview Church, uh, this is not normally how uh, we, we do this, but I just wanted to kind of invite you in right now to how this changes church. And this is a part of what Christ does. He moves, opportunities emerge, and we have the opportunity as his people to move forward in faith. And so let's dig in to what God's word says about the church and how we team uh, together. So let's dig in today. I want to talk about the importance of of teaming. Uh, We live in a time where uh, there's a lot of discord. There's a lot of uh, pain that you can see uh, in our culture. And there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of identity politics where based on the color of your skin or based on your socioeconomic status or based on your background or based on your education, uh, we're all kind of divided into these different compartments. And everyone's trying to figure out how do we unify and how do we, we band together? Well, the key of the church and how it actually changes the world is that it's only under Christ that we can actually find lasting unity. In fact, it's only when we commit our lives to him and we receive the forgiveness that we've been talking about that we can change. And so everybody wants peace and they want unity, but they really don't know how to find it. And what we're seeing in our culture right now is so much rivalry. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about how do we move from rivalry that ruins to teeming that transforms. And In the church, this is where we are the example to the world. The picture really in scriptures is that we're this light. We're this beacon and that the light represents hope. It represents the help that we have through Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done. Again, we can't pay the penalty for our sin and and we get messed up so much because of our decisions, but through the grace of Christ and the fact that he did die for our sins, We can be a light as we turn to follow him. And so rivalry ruins, but teaming transforms. And so today I want to talk about how this opportunity we have as a church to team together can transform our lives, can transform our neighborhoods, our families, and transform our community. And this has been happening for centuries because that is what God does within uh, the church. When you think of maybe a, like a group getting together, especially in the past, you think of like a, a business meeting and here's a picture of an office. It's people gathered together, uh, sitting around, maybe talking about ideas and execution. Like how do we get things implemented? Well, in the church, it's actually not about talking about things or even meeting. Now we gather and we talk about what God wants us to do. That's part of what we're doing right now on a Sunday. But the intent of our gathering and the intent of getting together is is how does this actually impact the way that we live? And that's what we focus on here at Ridgeview Church. As As I preach, my goal is always, how can I help you apply this to your life? That's actually the measure of maturity in Scripture. It's not what you know, 
It's what you do. Now, we need to know, we need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, but we always have to be connecting the knowledge of him to the action in our life, and that's how we grow. And so, so much of what we do in the church is learning and then implementing, learning and implementing. So when I talk about teaming together, I'm not really talking about kind of an office culture. I'm really talking actually more like military teaming, where there's a sense of we are in the trenches together. Um, I grew up in a military family. My dad was in the Air Force uh, for 20 years. And so I saw firsthand of kind of the military attitude. I'm very proud to have been a part of that. But one thing I've learned about the military is that there's a sense of where you, you have to commit and you have to put the mission first because the stakes are very high. And there's a certain like high elite soldiers of commandos that really set the pace for what does it mean to team together to go after the mission. And I think commandos really do kind of set an example for kind of what it's like in the church. Oftentimes we don't think of this. We think of it's a place, we come and sing, we stand, we sit, and then we leave. But look at this picture of Navy SEALs. Uh, This is a group, a part of the BUDS training, and that can look like an adventure or the worst thing ever, depending on your view of things. But here are these seals in the mud, teaming together, linked arm by arm, and they're called uh, swim buddies. And this swim buddy, those people that they're connected to, they go wherever each other go. It's like you do not leave your swim buddy. And this is to reinforce and to train the men to realize that your mission is always connected to the people that you're teaming with. Meaning you're, you're not alone. You cannot isolate. You cannot go off and do your own thing. Wherever you go, your swim buddy is going to go with you. And they train and they train and they reinforce and they expect this so that when the men and the women are on the field together, they remember, I can't leave my swim buddy. I can't leave my, my partner. I can't leave my soldier behind. We're, we're in this uh, together. This is actually the way the church is supposed to be. Now, Lord willing, we don't get dirty like this on a Sunday, but we are supposed to work. We are supposed to have the mentality that it's not just about me and God. It's about me and God and changing and growing, but then doing that with a group of people. And that is what the church represents. And so I wanna talk briefly about kind of a little bit more of the definition of what makes a commando. So here it is, commandos, they team for a mission greater than themselves, individually and collectively. And then the commandos definition of a teamwork, check this out, is selfless acts towards a common goal. I love that, selfless acts, meaning I'm not gonna put myself in front of the goal that we have that's common, meaning it's the goal that we all have together. That is the epitome of team, selfless acts towards a common goal. And then the last definition is, you know, commandos, they, they don't accomplish the mission alone. And I think that is such a good opportunity for us to just pause and think about. In your relationship right now with Christ, are you just going about your life alone? Are you isolated and cut off from real community? When was the last time you invited somebody from the church over to your house to connect, to get to know them, to serve and to be hospitable? When was the last time you took initiative to check on somebody to see how they're they're doing? See, it's so easy, again, for us to just pull away, focus on our family. But what God wants to do is He wants us to raise our sights and see 
there is something he's doing magnificent in the church, in the community of faith. And just like commandos that always see the opportunity to be together to accomplish the mission, that's the same opportunity we have as Christ followers. We've been given the mission to share the light that represents the hope of Christ to a world in the darkness that is blindly just keep hitting themselves up against each obstacle they face. And so I want to dig in and talk about the key question that we all must face and then some scriptures that really give us this vision. The key question is this, will I push past me first to be a part of something greater than myself? Now, the words me first, we we don't often necessarily think that, but that is a drive that we all have. We all want to look to our own interests first. And in fact, we always will look to our own interests. That's why our first hard attitude at Ridgeview, put the goals and interests of of others above my own, is just realizing that we're going to have goals and interests, but me first focuses just on what I want and just what I have, just what I want to see happen. But to be a part of a team and the mission that God has, we have to move beyond that. We actually have to realize that there is... There's greater things at stake and on the line than just getting what I want on my own timeline. So that's the key question. Will I push past me first to be a part of something bigger than myself? I want to talk about three major ways that teaming together allows us to be a part of God's story. And I want to connect this to this opportunity that we have right now at Ridgeview uh, to make this move into the community center. Because I believe uh, it's all connected. God, again, wants to teach us, and then he teaches us in the classroom of life. And the classroom of life is the experiences we have right now, the things that we face at home, the things that we're facing at church, the things that are going on in reality, God wants us to learn and put into practice. So the first is teaming together. It brings the power of clarity. Now, if you're trying to get forward in life and you're making a lot of decisions, oftentimes uh, it can feel like this. Here's a picture of a dense uh, jungle. If you're cutting that jungle and you're in the thick of that, you can't see your way in or out of it and you can get so lost by all the obstacles going around you. But when you actually team together and God puts you under leaders, You have people in front of you that are paving the way, who are cutting a trail and clearing some of the dense obstacles in your way. Leaders are leading to remove obstacles. Leaders are leading to provide clarity, to give the people following a sense of this is where we're headed, this is why. The clarity that we experience in the church oftentimes comes from the leaders God has put into place. That's why it's so important for churches to instill godly leaders. And that's why you see in Scripture, leaders are always focused on what's the character of them, not not necessarily just their skills and their talents, but what's their character? Who are they? And what are they like? Are they the type of people that represent the kingdom of God and the values of God? Because the leaders are in a position to really clarify to lead forward, to show the way, to give a vision. And I want to dig in today and spend a lot of time in the book of Acts. And one of the next steps uh, is to, to read the book of Acts through the month of May. And I encourage you to do that. This is the story of the church coming together to team. 
It's really the story of after Jesus has resurrected and it changed everything, the church went into action. And if you've never read through the book of Acts or it's been a while, I encourage you, join with us this month to read through it. But let's start in in Acts 16. And Paul receives a vision to go to Macedonia and check out the passage. This is verse 9 and 10. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, the we here refers to Paul, uh, who had received the vision and, and was leading. And there's some other characters, Timothy, Luke, and Silas, who were with him. But, but notice the, the, the verbiage of this. Paul had received the vision... So it went from somebody to then the we, the collective group, decided that God had moved us to preach the gospel there. Now, the vision did not appear to every single person a part of that group. Isn't that so interesting? Not everyone got the same moment of clarity. Not everyone got the same direction at the same time. Why? God gives, again, direction to leaders so that leaders can lead, the people can follow and God moves. And so the, the vision came to Paul. But everyone in the group concluded, this vision came to us. It moves from me and it goes to we. And I love that. That clarity came because of what God did through leaders. And you, you find the same thing today. And in this instance, through this picture of what they did to moving a man named, or a woman, sorry, named Lydia, uh, decided to follow Jesus, and she became a Christian. Her whole family uh, converted to Christianity. They decided to, to follow uh, Christ. And this happened because the group decided God is moving, and he's given us leaders, and we need to follow, and the light moved into a new region. The reason I bring this up, this is how it's worked in my life as well. It's easy as a pastor to be just alone. Everything I'm talking to you about, it's the same for me. It's easy to be alone. It's easy for me to just do things my own way. Uh, but we're a part of a network of churches here at Ridgeview called the 176 Network. And here's a picture of men who I am teaming with as we are dif- different senior pastors around the country that are leading our churches. And these men represent a lot of like my own swim buddies that I'm rallying with them to, to lead our churches in the way that God wants. And as the pastor of Ridgeview, I'm rallying with you. I'm teaming with you to be a part of what God wants us to do. And as your leader, I'm continuing to seek the Lord, continuing to ask his hand, just like this move to Jesse Turner. And from everything I've prayed about and all the provision and all the things, I see God is in this. He's moving us forward. And there's clarity. We now have a place to go, a timing uh, to do it. But it happens as, as again, we, we don't just set out to pioneer by ourselves. We, we, we work together with a team. Clarity and exponential growth comes when, when we do this. And that's what we're a part of. So the power of clarity. The second, teaming together brings the power of endurance. So shortly after this vision had come and they went into Macedonia and the gospel began to change people's lives. Uh, shortly after that, um, they were thrown in prison. Paul and Silas specifically. 
So if you could think about that, they had this vision to preach the gospel. They went to this new area. They preached the gospel. People became saved. Their lives were transformed. Their kids' lives were transformed. And now generations are transformed. But there was opposition, as there always is. There'll be opposition for us as we move forward to this move. Because anytime you bring light into the darkness, the darkness, which represents Satan, they're going to fight back. They don't want us to bring hope. They want to continue in chaos and pain and lies. But as God's people, we, we stand. And when we team together, there's this endurance. Picture those commanders. They're linked arm to arm in the mud, knowing that if I'm here, we're here. And if we're here, I'm here. And that's the same with the church. So shortly after, they're, they're thrown into uh, prison. They're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten by a mob. And they're really left kind of alone. So if you can imagine, like great clarity, they moved forward, God worked, and then they're in just a desolate place. Nobody wants to be there. But notice what happens in Acts 16, 25. About midnight, okay, they're not sleeping, they're in prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening uh, to them. I would have loved to have seen this exchange. They're in prison Remember, remember that vision you had to go to Macedonia? Who would have known we would have ended up here? And you could see just them talking to each other in this prison. They're up late. Stay strong. God is with us. In fact, he's with us right now. And you know what? In fact, there is men in this prison right now who are hopeless, desperate for a new beginning. Everything's been stripped away from them. You could begin to see just how they would have, might have thought like, well, why don't we sing? Why don't we praise God to give this light and hope? Think about the one place where people need light. It's in the darkness, the epitome of prison. And these men were put there and now had an opportunity to sing. And the scriptures say the men were listening. It's, it's this sense of like they were captivated. Like these men are singing songs and praises to God in the middle of the worst place that they could find themselves. Now, if Paul had been by himself or Silas had been by himself, we don't know exactly what the narrative would have looked like in this instance. But what we do know, the two of them were together. They were up at the same time and they joined in song. And that brought this endurance to them, this hope. Isolation is so detrimental to what God wants us to do. Why? Because we, it's very hard to change by ourselves. But when we have people encouraging us, calling us forward, they're with us, we can stand strong. All of us have isolation strategies. This last year fed it. Just, you know, we, we're pulling away, we're pulling away. And before you know it, you build habits. There's people, a part of Ridgeview, that I have not seen since the pandemic began. Some of that is because they still nervous about gathering. And some of it's just you, you get out of the habit. When you begin to pull away and isolate, the next week it's a little bit easier to do that. And the next week it's a little easier to do that. Here's some like typical isolation strategies. See if this relates to you. The first is when things get hard, like I will pull away. That happens to all of us. Things get difficult and we just kind of find it, well, I'm just gonna try to figure this out on my own and we just kind of take a step back. What's interesting, the next strategy is this. Uh, when things get hard, then I raise my expectations of you because things are hard for me. And so now I, I need you to help me in, in new ways. And a lot, oftentimes we don't even say this. We could do this to our kids. We could do it to our spouses, to our neighbors, to our church, to our pastors. 
I pull away, but then my expectations of you, they actually get raised. And then that drives you away. And then that leads to now I feel more alone and I'm justified in my isolation. Have you experienced that? I, I have. This happens oftentimes in instances. It happens in our head. I pull away, things are tough. But since I'm pulling away, I feel a little bit more distant. And now I have expectations of you to kind of come to me. But you didn't necessarily come to me because I pulled away. And now I'm justified in my pulling away because you didn't come to me. You see, it's like a game. And the enemy, Satan, is just like, that's where I want him. I want him just isolated, cut off, resentful, discouraged, and disappointed. What we've been talking about in this series. So the power of endurance fights through that. We're facing something hard, but it's not I, it's we, and I'm going to pull in. Endurance comes in the middle of the hard things. This is a season right now, wherever you are, don't pull away. That's why I talked about rallying. Now is the time to rally. So when we team together, there's the power of clarity. We can move forward as God leads us through leaders. Then there's the power of endurance. We're not alone. We have other people with us in the trenches. That's what represents the church. And then the third is there's the power of synergy. Synergy is one of my favorite words. I don't use it much. You may not know what it means. Here's a definition. Synergy, the combined power of a group of things when they are working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working uh, separately. Basically, by yourself, you have a limited amount of power, resources, endurance. But again, when you team, it's multiplied. And your power and your gifting and your drive can now link to somebody in unity. And it's compounding and it's compounding and it's compounding. And you see that there's this power of synergy where things get accomplished. You actually see this in the book of Acts. That's why I want to encourage you to read it. People began to team, and those people began to team. And they formed other teams to go to different regions to share about Jesus. And they formed other teams out of there to go share over here. And, and that's where you see the spread of Christianity. It's the power of uh, synergy. I want to just briefly describe this, and then you can read this on your own. Uh, here's just some ways that this synergy and teaming in the New Testament happened. Uh, the first, uh, you're going to see some scripture reference, references here, which some are verses and then some are chapters. Again, read this for yourself. See kind of how this thing comes alive. The spiritual commandos that we can follow. Uh, the first is the Antioch uh, ministry team. You find this in Acts 13. This team's primary purpose was to build up the church. They're getting things started. This team... Uh, ordained Paul and Barnabas for their first missionary journey. This was a core team of five. Okay, you got five people banding together. Then that team, which represented the first missionary team, you'll see the scriptures there. This is in Cyprus and throughout Asia, minor to preach the gospel and plant churches in new territory. So team came together, created a team of five. This team of five went to Cyprus, Asia Minor. Now it was a core team of three. Paul and Barnabas from the previous team. This first missionary team that came out of the Antioch ministry team then started a second ministry team. And they revisited churches from the first ministry um, missionary journey from Asia Minor and then to Europe. So we begin to see, oh, things are spreading. And how is it spreading? Through one person? No. Through teams. The light is spreading through teams. 
This was a core team of six. Paul is from the previous teams. And then get to Paul's third missionary team. Now, Paul, again, he had the vision, Macedonia. He was one of the the, the primary church planters and the pioneers of the Christian movement. Why? Because he kept starting these teams and he was leading these teams and God used him and the team. And so the third missionary journey and team was to go to Macedonia and Greece and to visit the churches there. And then they actually came back to Jerusalem. So it's kind of this picture of they're spreading it out and then they come back to just share about what Jesus had done in the middle of them. And then this is a core team of nine. Paul, Timothy, and Luke from the previous teams and new people that had come along. So the reason I bring up these missionary journeys is not just to give you a piece of history, but it's to show that the very essence of who we are today and what we represent as a church began through teams. Teams that experienced clarity, teams that experienced endurance, and then teams that experienced synergy Uh, There's highlights in Romans 16 where Paul talks about his team and he's kind of explaining these are the group of people that God has used. He's taking the time to show, like, this is not just about me. This is not just about this movement that I am leading. This is about the people of God, the church at work, this team that changes everything, the church. And he mentions 29 people specifically in Romans 16. He goes out of his way to make sure these 29 people know they're part of my team. Greet, the word greet is mentioned 17 times just in verses 3 through 16. The point is, these are people he knows personally. He's saying greet them. Make sure that they know I I say hello, that I send my greetings and God's blessing on them. There's like a personal relationship, a commitment of time, an intentionality. These are the people I want to band with. These are the commandos I'm linking arms with. We may not always be together in the same place, but we're committed to teaming together. He knows them personally. Here's where some of the descriptions of his teammates in Romans 16. Sister, servant, patron, beloved, kinsman, fellow prisoners. You are a mother to me. You are my brother. You are a host. You are a fellow worker. These words show just this commitment and experience of ministry with a group of people. There's no isolation here. There's no Lone Ranger mentality. These are the group of people that I am banding with. Now, the last description, that word fellow worker, that was one of his favorite descriptions. It appears three times in Romans 16 alone, and I'm gonna read these briefly. Romans 16, verses three through four, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase, fellow workers, who risk their necks for my life. And whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. God is doing something where the whole church has been started. The Gentiles, the movement moving from Judaism to Christianity, reaching Gentiles, they send their greetings like this has made a difference. The fellow workers. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. So greet these, these people. My fellow workers, and then verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, you see it again, greet you, so do Lucius and Jason, sorry, and Sosipater, my kingsman. So he's describing these people, he's greeting them, and he's describing them as a fellow worker. Here's where it gets very interesting. Fellow worker, Romans 16, you see it show up in those instances. The word fellow worker in the original language in the Greek is the word sunergio. 
Very interesting. That's actually the word that we get synergy from. Fellow worker. If you want compounding power in your life, for your life to make a difference, it will not happen as you just focus on you or your family. It will happen as you become fellow workers with people in the church. Specifically the definition, synergio, to work together, help and work, be partner in labor, to put forth power together with and thereby to assist. It's saying out of all the things that I have going on in my life, I place the church and the mission of God in the center of it. I build my life around it. I build my schedule so I can make sure I'm a part of the things that God wants to do with the people he wants me to do it with. This is not the American thinking, which is you, you pick your job, you find the job, you chase the job, you build your life around the job, you try to carve out time for your family, and if after everything you have time left for church, you do it. It's actually the opposite. You want to make a difference with your life, build your life around the mission of God with the people of God, and your life will change. And we've seen that at Ridgeview Church. We've had the opportunity to be a part of the clarity and the endurance and the synergy together as we have launched preview services, as we have launched our grand opening and got started, as we did sports camp, as we did movie nights, as we moved online and began to do live events together in worship, as we met together back in the park after regathering to worship God together after isolation ourselves. And then we've been growing and reaching new families in the park. And then here we are now again with this synergetic moment where we can move to a new location to reach new people. Men and women, this is what it's all about. This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. God, we want to move to expand your light to the darkness. And God's given us an opportunity to do it. So in closing, what does this mean for you, and this is where I started. First, here's some next steps. Mark this on your connection card. Thank God for the team here at Ridgeview. God is building a team. He is building fellow workers. That's what he's doing. Thank him for that. We're so thankful for you, and we're so thankful for the team that he's building. The second, next step, I wanna get a grip as we move together. This is where you can now give, rally, invite, and pray. Will you do it? Will you join us? Will you get a grip with us as we make the most of this opportunity? Mark that on your connection card. Move from being an anonymous, from the outside looking in, be a part of what God wants to do. I think it will change your life. And then the last next step, which I've mentioned, is just read through the book of Acts through the end of May. You could read a chapter a day. You could read a couple chapters. Just commit to doing it. I think this will be a challenge to you. It will call you forward as it does to me. So God is on the move as we are on the move. And we're following him and we're trusting him. And I'm so glad you have joined us today. Let's pray as we continue to look towards the Lord who leads us forward. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this series where we're reminded of Easter and how it changes everything in our life. God, we ask for your help as we make this faith move that we will team together as fellow workers, that we will be commandos that stand in the trenches to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish. God, as I lead forward, will you strengthen my own endurance? 
Will you continue to give me clarity as we move forward? As we face problems, give us solutions. As we face chaos, give us peace. God, I pray you'll call your people forward to do what you've called us to do. And God, we pray for unity as we team together. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.